This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Good morning. Pat Stu and Jeffy filling in for Glenn today. Uh, it's two weeks until the apocalypse. I, I mean, the election. Uh, we've got so much to get to. Get to. Uh, we'll start right there, right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I love the consistency of the left. Elizabeth Warren was, uh, was she tweeting or was she talking about this? These are both tweets. Both tweets. Uh, Important tweets. Uh, attacking Donald Trump, saying it's not rigged, Donald Trump. You're, you're losing fair and square. Put on your big boy pants because this is what accountability looks like. That's tough. And she's yeah, taking a she tough t- stand she there. Told him. She sure. Um, and then, of course, obviously from February 2015, Washington is rigged for the big guys. <laughs> no person has called that out like John Stewart. <laughs> oh, second part on. of that we don't even have to deal with. But I mean, this is constant across the media right now. Oh, yeah. They've been saying, I mean, Van Jones was on TV right after the debate talking about how the economy is rigged. rigged, And it's okay to say the economy is rigged. I mean, think about how bad that is. In a way, it's worse, right? I mean, you're talking about people's livelihood, the the ability to feed themselves. That is rigged and impossible for the little man to compete in this rigged world. Yet the election, well, your vote might not count. And obviously, that's a serious situation. And the truth is, neither of them are rigged. They're not rigged. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so easy to go down that road when things don't work the way you want them to. Whether it be an election, whether it be income inequality, it's the way the very rich people who are on the correct side of the rigging in their telling of the story in the economy uh, can try to win over people who aren't on the right side of the rigged economy. But I mean, it's, pathet- it's a pathetic argument. And it should be called out both ways. I, mean, I can't give you any uh, examples right now, but there have been all kinds of inconsistencies across the board uh, in the elections, too. <laughs> wow. What? It's a very generalized comment there, Jeffy. I know. And I don't think it's an accurate one. I, I don't remember any inconsistencies. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have there been I mean, inconsistencies? <laughs> I really don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I was actually teasing. But, I mean, I don't think, I think maybe there has been uh, one or two that they've argued about, right? In, in, in uh, oh, you're talking, Nevada. You're not you know, talking, the, right, okay. Oh, you're talking election-wise. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there are, there are, and this is the problem with this whole debate. There are issues with uh, dead people registering to right. vote in Chicago and all that stuff. Right. We've been over right. that a million times. Right. Like, for example, the same people who, t- who are now saying, oh, how dare you say the voting system is rigged 
are the same exact people who tell you it's rigging the election to have people bring ID when they vote. Yeah. Right. The same people are saying Republicans are trying to rig the election by passing voter ID laws. It's those exact same individuals who are now complaining about Donald Trump saying the election is rigged. And of course, it's, it's not rigged. It's just, you know, look, there are going to be situations and we've talked about them yeah. where, uh, you know, uh, people vote who shouldn't be voting. There are incredible amounts of effort to bring out and, and get those votes to be uh, to count. Uh, we know that people vote illegally. It does happen. And the issue with the way the media has covered this is you either have to take one of two positions. The election is completely rigged and nothing matters and it's completely false. Or there has never been a case of voter fraud in American history. And really the, the actual truth is in between those. I mean, there are legitimate points uh, to be made for securing elections. You should always be diligent on things like this. You should always be vigilant. You should be able to say, hey, you know what? Maybe you should have an ID. This is something that you know, 70 and 80 percent of progressives believe is a good idea. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be controversial to have to identify yourself when you vote. But that does not mean, I mean, especially when you compare it to the, you know, global history, we have the probably the best election process. I mean, we obviously do everything we possibly can do to have that not happen. Right? I mean, that's the whole. That's we should. do. Yes, absolutely. We, we don't do enough. Uh, so there are, there are instances of fraud and there are situations. I always love the argument. Well, we, we, there are very few um, uh, instances of fraud that have been prosecuted. Um, the whole point of fraud is that you don't get prosecuted. <laughs> like, like, the whole point of it is to avoid being detected. That's actually the crime. So when you're not detected, you can't use these people are bad at fraud. Therefore, we believe there is no fraud. I mean, the, the point is the people that are good at it are getting away with it. And I'm sure there is legitimate fraud. Very, very rarely, though, is there an election that's close enough uh, that you can find uh, a possibility that it could be turned over by fraud. There's a few elections here and there. Obviously, the Bush-Gore one is the one that everyone would point to. But remember, the Democrats were crying, crying fraud on Bush-Kerry. It was 118,000 vote difference. In Ohio. Ohio. And they still said it was stolen. Every time their side loses, that that side says the election is stolen. That is very common. And if anything, it's revealing about Donald Trump thinks is going to happen. I mean, the fact that he keeps talking about this is because, you know, Kerry cried fraud after the election. Gore cried fraud after the election. He's crying fraud before it. And that makes you think, it at least gives you a little window into the mindset of how Donald Trump is really thinking about this right now. And he should be thinking about this in a positive way. Professor Helmut Norpeth, uh, who has predicted, you probably don't know the name necessarily, may not jump Suddenly it out not. at you exactly. Professor Helmut. But, and Norpeth. Norpeth? Helmut. Wait, wait, hold on. The, Norpeth. The. Helmut Norpeth? The okay. Helmut Norpeth, mm. who has predicted, by the way, the last five elections correctly. Uh, you don't have to tell us. I don't know what. I know. I'm not, I didn't mean to talk down to you. Last five. I apologize. So the two Bushes, the two Obamas, and going. I mean, that's only. And then the Clinton. The that Clinton would only Dole. be. The so there's really two close calls there. Bush Gore, which by the way, Gore of course won the popular vote. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously the electoral vote's the one that counts. But it okay, was, maybe it's the last fifty. Maybe it's the last last fifty elections. Last fifty elections. How old is this guy? <laughs> um, 
He says there's an 87% chance of a Trump win. 87% chance that Trump wins this thing. And now he's about the only one. He was on uh, TV over the weekend, and uh, here's what he had and to despite say. Despite what recent polls say and what everyone in Washington and on television is saying, this real clear politics poll, including this one, this man is sticking by his prediction of a Trump victory. Here to explain is Stony Brook University professor at home at Norpoth. Now, see, so you're mocking him. It's from Stony Brook. Now mock him. I, no one's yeah. mocking a helmet. You can't. This is hell. This is he- if it was some imposter. Right. Okay. That would be one thing. But this yes. is the this helmet. Is the North helmet North, but from right. Stony Brook University. Professor, it's great to see you. Thank you very much for having so me. So you are almost alone. Yes. Among academics, predicting a Trump win, not because you're coming out for Trump, but because you have a model that you believe leads to the conclusion he's going to win. Tell mm-hmm. us about this model. How have you arrived at this conclusion? Well, there are two things. Okay, the model is called the primary model. So I take into account primary elections, real elections, how the candidates are performing, and uh, I can track primaries for about 100 years, since 1912. So it's quite a, quite a set of elections. Yes. And it usually turns out that the candidate who does better in his party's primaries or her party primaries beats the other guy who does less well. And so in this election, the primaries that I'm relying on, it's only New Hampshire and South Carolina. Yes. Donald Trump came out on top better than Hillary Clinton in the Democratic race. And that seems, that seems like a fair measure. And what's the other one? What's seems the other one? Like like what does? The, Wait, uh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> and pipe and smoke. Hey, it okay. seems like a fair measure <laughs> to figure out the election results based on the two states, d- excluding the one that he lost. We'll just pick the two states he won. <laughs> what? I know you might take exception to that. I mean, we're talking you about a professor? here. We're talking Wait, about helmet. So we're gonna, you know, we obviously don't account the first uh, primary election. But the second and third, I mean, he did really well. Well, yes, he did do really well in the second and third. He won them. And then he went on to lose other states. Right. And, you know, I mean, this was a competitive primary. This is a primary that lasted much longer. I mean, uh, every candidate in recent memory, going back, I can't even remember how long. I know. I thought um, that was a bizarre. Oh, well, the professor went back 100 years. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Republican primaries, when's the last time we had one that went on that long? I mean, you're going way back, probably Reagan, right? I mean, you're back to Reagan, probably uh, since the, since that has happened. I mean, this was not a blowout primary. Reagan went all the way to the convention, so it must have been that, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that was a pretty specious. Uh, That's a weird standard. standard. A standard to base your findings on was not that not the first one where he, where he lost. We're not looking at that, but the next two he did really well, and he did even better than Clinton did in those two states. So. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, too, Clinton, and? Clinton's opponent was in a neighboring state of New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Sanders did well uh, there in comparison. Um, that is a that's an interesting one. It is interesting. But there's there's more. The uh, uh, the tendency after, let's say, two terms of the uh, White House party being in office. Yes. That is a change. This, I think, is is legitimate. Mm-hmm. W- once a party has had two terms in office, people are usually sick, sick of them unless yes. They're, they've been really good, and there's there's demonstrable difference that's positive change in the country. Reagan's the last one for yeah, that, too. and there certainly hasn't been that. And uh, I can track that, actually, for a longer period of time, for almost 200 years. 
And that also gives a prediction that uh, Republicans are favored this year. So a lot of us in the TV business make predictions, and we say it, and we say we believe it. But do we really believe it? Mm -hmm. Do we believe it enough to bet on it? Do you <laughs> believe your prediction enough to put your money in a legal way, in a betting market, behind your prediction? Yes, I have. I've, uh, I've uh, gone all in in the Iowa market, which is sort of the oldest prediction market where it's legal to do that. And uh, I bought uh, shares for the Republican candidate way, way uh, a long time ago, and I'm sticking with it. All right. I mean, I, you know, Turn this you around. book, the, it, it, amazing stories are built on people who bet against the odds, right? Yeah. We always forget these people when they lose. The person, this guy does not get a follow-up interview about how his election is wrong if Donald Trump loses, right? Right. Like, this is it. Yes. Um, but, I mean, if you want to look at the prediction markets, which I, should, I think are interesting, I mean, the point being made there is, it, do you believe it? You put your money where your mouth is. Currently, prediction markets say that Hillary Clinton is going to win with a 90% certainty. It's 90 to 10. That's amazing. And that's prediction markets. You can get, 10. I mean, if you really sit, and I, I mean this honestly, if you are sitting there at home, you're like, you know what? Uh, these online polls have convinced me that uh, Donald Trump is going to win. You can get five to one on your money right now. Five to one. And that's I mean, not a bad bet, really. I mean, I, it, would it shock you to wake up on November 9th and realize that Donald Trump is the next president? I, it, it wouldn't blow me away. I mean, it would I'd be, be a little surprised, but, you know, we've been surprised by him so many times. Yeah. It, it, wouldn't, for sure. it wouldn't be mind-blowing, that's for sure. The one thing that's interesting to look at, and, and I guess It's more than a 90 to 10 chance, I, I think. think. I think you're right, but that's not where the money is. Right. No. For what that's worth. I think you're right. I think he has a, a better chance than 10%. Uh, but, you know, we sat here and looked at this thing and we keep saying, we, oh, he's surprised us so many times. He surprised us in, in the primary process. Absolutely. I mean, I, I outwardly have said that I was completely wrong on predicting that. But the reason I was wrong was because I wasn't listening to the scientific polls. I was giving you answers on why the scientific polls wouldn't hold up, as they had, didn't have been held up for previous candidates like, you know, Herman Cain and name, you know, we went down that list mm -hmm. a million times. You know, a lot of people flared up and were big for a while and then fell away. Donald Trump didn't do that. Saw it so over he, and over and over again. So he did that. But again, Trump was leading the polls the whole time. Yeah, that's this is the opposite. True. I mean, for example, the last 13 polls Trump has trailed. In North Carolina, he, he has no chance of winning the election if he can't win North Carolina. Now, he has to win North Carolina and like 10 other states that would be considered swing states because North Carolina, to Mitt Romney, was barely even a swing state. He's lost 13 straight polls in that state. At what point? I mean, these are not swing states anymore. Uh, the polls are rigged. Stu, you know. Uh, that. Again, maybe. I mean, that, but that's your, when it gets to that point where your argument, you're in helmet land. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I noticed that the uh, the elections where Trump did well, he did well. Okay. Well, that I, I mean, maybe that'll work then. I don't know. Again, he might be right. I mean, you never know with this stuff. But I, I doubt. I, yeah. I, I'm going well, to be a little bit of a skeptic on that. All right. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. More of the Glenn Beck program with Pat Stu and Jeffy coming up. You're listening. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury.
the key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep. And I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. $50 off the purchase of your mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, he's back tomorrow. 888-727-BECK. It just, uh, we are a week from Halloween, and we are, uh, we are two weeks and a day away from the election. Two weeks and one day, and then this thing's finally over. I can't we, wait. I mean, I cannot wait. stop talking about it. By the way, can we just quickly, before we move on... Uh, Address of uh, oddity of helmets analysis. Yes, last break. Okay. His point was the first two primaries, Donald Trump uh, won. Which, of course, if you exclude the first caucus, so if you get rid of Iowa for some reason, and only count New Hampshire and South Carolina, and really the only reason to get rid of it is because it's a caucus and you're not counting those, right? Correct. Or you just are looking for a justification. Yes. As to why uh, it would be good for Donald Trump? Professor said primaries. Okay, fine. So okay, primaries. There you go. So, but his point was that he, he did better than Hillary did in those states. Yeah. Here's the results from South Carolina's primary. Donald Trump did win 33 to 23. Okay, over Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is 22. So Hillary Clinton won 74 to 26. Um, wow. <laughs> it's not my recollection uh, of South Carolina was that Hillary Clinton did really well there. And the other state is the neighboring state. He's from Vermont. So Bernie Sanders, of course, did better there. Yeah. I, he won a, Vermont. I, I'm trying Sanders. To, let me see. I can look. It I up. mean, my guess would be. I, yes. I think so. I, but I don't probably remember. by a lot. New Hampshire, you mean? Uh, yeah, New Hampshire. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. I mean, but that's just a weird, a weird point. I don't know. I'm just. It's it's strange criteria. Yes, I would say that. I just am uh, the, the easiest way to think about this. And uh, yes, he did win that sixty to thirty eight. Um, Trump won it thirty five to sixteen. I'm sure the professor took into account that uh, uh, Donald Trump had uh, two uh, people against him, where Hillary only had one. So Trump comes out on top on that. And that was it. Well, and. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jeffy. Uh, yeah. No. It was. It was a wide. Field, I think that's deeper it? than the professor actually went. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like that. <laughs> that was good, Jeffy. Thank you. That was some thinking. He's all, we should do an over because he's betting on the markets, the prediction markets. We should do a prediction of whether Helmet gets an uh, an interview if Trump loses. <laughs> if, if Trump loses, we just never hear Helmet's name again, right? No. Until he comes up with a new model that has been right for two hundred and fifty years. Yes. Four years from now. Yeah. Right, four years from now, he'll be back in the media saying, "Look, I have a model that has been correct." There was another professor, though. There was uh, maybe not a professor. He is some sort of uh, analyst 
elections analyst who similarly, but he has 14 different pieces of criteria that he uses. And he has predicted every election correctly since 1970 or something. I mean, it's, it was dating back a long time. It was 12 elections in a row or something to that effect. And, and he's been right every time. And he also said Trump. Yeah, there was a yeah. I think you, I think I know yeah, what you're talking it's about. It's a different guy than this one, but and um, and his seemed to be much more substantial, right? And there and a lot of these models, every year, every election, there's a model that comes out like this. It's been right for a million years. I mean, there was what was in the Washington Redskins win a week before the oh, election. Yeah. Like, every, there's always some yeah, weird and it was wrong, thing, and it was wrong. There, and then they, of course are eventually wrong. Um, the last one that came out like this though uh, was a economic model. And it really has a lot of basis. But in their write-up of this election was Trump should win. However, the model cannot account for historically bad candidates. That's not what it does. It assumes you're, yeah. you're, average, you're nominating an average Republican, and that's not what we did. He's, he's not your average Republican. Like him or don't, right. he's not your average Republican. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, more of the Glenn Beck program coming up with Pat Stu and Jeffy. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Voting starts, well, now. It's uh, it's happening now in Texas. In some states, it's been going on for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I mean, the early voting situation, I think, has gotten a little out of control. You can understand maybe a week, I don't know, maybe two seems about right. But when you're doing <clears throat> four and six weeks before the actual election, so much can happen yeah. in that amount of time. That you, sh- you don't have all the information when you go to the voting booth. Stu just said six million people have voted already. Is that right? Six million now. Wow. Six million people. Wow. And this is what's interesting about that. In that, if you, if you assume, you know, we're in a world where the polls are at least moderately accurate, that right now Trump is trailing the election um, by some margin, five, six, seven points. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be able to make that up by election day. Sure. But right. six million people have already voted in that you know, world. One way or the other. No, you know, and, and again, the, the, you know, the early voting numbers so far look really good for Democrats. We, we don't know if that's going to hold up. It may not. I mean, certainly, you know, Trump has not made um, uh, sort of the ground game a big priority for himself. He's worked as a different candidate, and that's served him well, I think, for uh, certainly during the primary, it worked well. Um, but, you know, the, so you wouldn't be surprised to see early voting numbers maybe not benefit Trump as it might other candidates. But still... You've got millions of people who have voted in a, in, a, in a world, an ecosystem, where he's trailing by six, seven, eight points. Uh-huh. And that means those, he's going to have to win election day by that much more. And what if something you know, comes out that shows that she, what? I don't know, we're, we're finding emails every day. Maybe something comes out that sh- it shows that she said, no, don't go into Benghazi. Maybe she shut down the military. I mean, not right, that like, is out there, but wouldn't, certainly wouldn't surprise me. 
but you've already voted. And so you don't have that detail at your disposal anymore when you go into the voting booth. Uh, that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I'm sure there are people who don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I suppose the benefit of early voting and the reason why Democrats like it so much is because they can come out and they can get Jeffy to the polls. They get Jeffy to the polls. Then they can they no longer have to continually contact Jeffy to make sure he shows up on Election Day. Mm. It's out of the way and they can focus resources on the next, you know, drug dealer down the street. Um, You know, they'd have to they'd have to go get him with one of those short buses, too. And that's uh, right. Kind of a hassle. But yes, I mean. Let's be honest, there's not another Jeffy. I'm just trying to say another, if there were another Jeffy down the street, they'd have to focus resources on that person. Right. But that's the thing. It's like you lock those people in. And so, you know, this is why it's so difficult uh, to deal with this if, if you're a Trump uh, supporter. Because, you know, he's not, he is not activated in that way. That's not the way he operates. You know, and that's not the way his campaign is operating. Clinton has more than four times the amount of paid uh, staffers mm. than, than Trump does. So, and I, Trump might be onto a new formula that's going to work in a way that no one has ever seen before. And that's, look, that's his whole campaign, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a backer, you hope that that's true. It just puts him in a position where he has to do even better than the average schlub Republican has in past elections. And that's, you know, it's a difficult position. One of the things, and I don't know if this is a game changer, it just solidifies everything you know about Hillary Clinton and the hypocrisy of everything she is. Um, but this came out in, in the WikiLeaks email. The Clinton Foundation in <clears throat> 2011 employed more women than men, but paid the men more money on average than they did the women. Of course. So this income inequality that she continues oh, to scream and cry and yell about. And this is the case with all of these hypocrites. Same thing with Barack Obama, who was always talking about equality. Equal pay for equal work. And they never backed it up with their actions. <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so the Clinton Foundation paid men an average of 55200 a year and women 50000 a year. So over $5,000 more to the men than the women for doing about the same thing. I, I just can't. How do, how do they get away with this every single time? Especially when they identify. The only cause as to why you would pay a woman more or less than a man is because of sexism. So they're calling themselves sexist. And there's a temptation, I think, for conservatives to look at this and say, well, uh, you know, they must hate women or they are sexist against women. I mean, that's accepting their, their standard here. The truth is mm-hmm. people are different and they prioritize different things. And the fact that they pay... 55,000 or to 50,000 for uh, men versus women is not an indication that they're sexists. It's an indication that they're lying. It's, it's an indication that they're lying about their point to the average voter. It's not because they're sexist behind closed <laughs> doors. It, because also, it also doesn't mean that, you know, the average company is not sexist behind closed doors. I just it's not heard, mad men. I just heard a story about a woman who was kind of complaining about uh, uh, discrimination. She was, uh, her boss either left the position, her boss just above her, either left or got fired, okay? And she wanted the promotion, which she got. But somebody else, a man, got the office that was bigger. So that was the discrimination. Wait, you got the promotion, though, (laughs) right? (laughs) You got the position and the money, but 
the office space went to somebody else. Is this not the same? There could be a lot of different reasons for that. Look at this. This is the same thing. It's, again, a rigged economy. They're saying it's rigged because men control it and women get punished because of their genitals. And, And we are supposed to accept the rigged construct for everything else in the world except the elections. I mean, think about this. The the Democrats' entire platform is based on everything is rigged. That is literally everything they say. It's always rigged. It's it's the health insurance situation. Well, the big health care companies are always coming after you. The banks, oh, the big banks are always coming after you. Companies, oh, the big companies are coming after you. Uh, Energy, oh, the the big fossil fuels company, they're getting all sorts of subsidies, and they don't care about global warming because it's rigged. It's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. The only difference is Donald Trump actually says the word rigged a lot, (laughs) right? But it's like the thing that he doesn't like, he says is rigged. The same thing the Democrats, when they say they don't like stuff, they say it's rigged. All the time. All the time. That is the same freaking argument. Income inequality. Oh, well, the economy's rigged Rigged against the little man. Uh, Trade. Oh, well, the economy is rigged uh, uh, for big companies and against the factory worker. It's every category of things. That we talk about in politics, the Democrats' argument is that big, powerful people have rigged it against small people. Because they're victims. They're always victims. This is what this is every single point they make every single day. Yet they are completely offended that Donald Trump went on stage and said the I mean, he's learned from them. This is not his point, it's their point. He's just utilizing it in the way that benefits him instead. No doubt about it. There's no doubt about that. That's incredible. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. What do you think? Is there anything to this uh, story, this continuing storyline that we're hearing about the NFL being in decline? I saw saw another story this weekend. NFL in decline. Well, the ratings are clearly down from where they were a year ago. But it's an election year. They've been up against the debates, which have drawn a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 84 million for the first one, and I think 66 million for the second. And both of those were up against NFL games. Um, and, and and you've got the protests going on, and you've got some games that aren't that great, and you, you've got some other situations happening. So I'm, I'm not I'm not sure why the NFL is in ratings. I don't know if there's so much in a ratings decline, although it'd be nice to blame it on the Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I, I would NFL. like to blame it on that. I would too, but I don't know that. I, I mean, like you, can watch, you can watch the games on so many different platforms now. Yeah, that including I think that Twitter, that really, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, Twitter does a Twitter? Thursday night does a Thursday night broadcast with uh, with their own sportscasters and everything. Yeah, and the NFL, uh, at least their claim is they don't believe they're actually losing viewers. Right. Believing the same amount of people are tuning in. Some of it's the fact that they're spreading uh, spreading out. Another part of it is they're not staying as long. And the reason for that, I mean, did anyone watch the Arizona-Seattle game last night? I, I did mean, for a few minutes, but it was so excruciating I had to right. stop. Yeah. It was three it was to three. Bad games. Yeah, yeah. It was a finals of 6-6 six, six, in which both teams in overtime missed chip shot field goals that could have won the game. Uh, you know, those are just not exciting, interesting games. And they've had a lot of of bad luck on that. Like, for example, you know, Atlanta has played two very, very, you know, interesting games recently and close calls. A lot of, there've been plenty of great games in the NFL this year. Many of them have not lined up with primetime uh, games. Uh, you know, they've That's had the crap. luck of the draw for the NFL, exactly. really. I mean, they've, they've had some crap heaps right. in these big uh, situations. And then you add in some of the other factors. I think that's, that's largely 
uh, it. You know, there was a poll that uh, that came out that said, are you watching more NFL games this year or less NFL games? And if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, it was 27% of people's fans said they were watching more NFL games and 29% said they were watching less. So it was a slightly more people uh, said they were, um, watching. they were watching less. Of the people who said they were watching less, the number one cause for that was the Kaepernick thing. So I think it was 40% of those people said, I'm watching less because of That's Kaepernick. That's promising to me. I mean, I like the fact that they're rejecting like that. that protest. I like it. Uh, but the, and they're the doing it the right way. They're just not watching. They're just not watching. All right. Um, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going pay, to patronize your product. However, if it's only two, a 2% difference and the people who are watching more and who are watching less, and only 40% of that 2%, uh, which is much. which is you know comes out to 0.8 percent which That's is not about enough what to, you would expect by yeah, the way there's not, not going to be no. a lot of you know you're not going to get half of nfl fans to say no well way. i'm not going to watch right no even if you don't like it which i don't i still watch i still watch yeah. um and and i think you the issue can choose a little bit more though a yeah a little bit differently but yeah. that that difference in the, at least to, according to that poll would not make a, a large difference to the nfl's ratings no I mean, it really wouldn't. So it has to be. It's. It's. It it, that might a, be a factor. It's a combination. But it's probably it wouldn't is. make a large difference in the NFL's decision making because I was. Th- if it was more, it's almost too late, right? I mean, the NFL has said that you know, hey, he's got the right. We can do all this. And he does, and I know. Except the except that they crack down on the players for a lot of different they, things. Absolutely, they don't they let them wear certain things on their the shoes. Socks they wear. They can't do certain colors. I mean, Come they can on. do pink as much as they want in October. Oh my gosh. I mean, the pink right. thing is crazy. We've gotten out of control with the pink on the players in October. Yeah, however, I get it. You, you have to... I, I get it. And I realize that sometimes, you know, <laughs> pink isn't exactly a great color for NFL uniforms, but until this year, I had never heard of breast cancer, which is apparently... <laughs> is that uh, right? I am now aware so of it. Now you're aware. Before See, this, that's what it's for, is aware. to raise awareness right. every October. And now I'm aware. And now you're it. finally aware. Because it usually... You've I just actually remember. done it for years, so I'm surprised you haven't been aware before. Yeah, it's devastated uh. people that are close to me. But, you know, here's the first... I was like, oh my gosh, now I remember it. <laughs> the pink socks. <laughs> there it is. Pink shoes, pink socks, pink towels. Yeah, wow, there it is. Oh, pink earrings dangling out of their helmets. <laughs> I mean, stop. Right. More patents due for Glenn coming up on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. He's back tomorrow, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Something we want to get into um, next hour is the ACLU coming after this high school in uh, in Connecticut for honoring police and the military before one of their high school football games. Those bastards. Those bastards. How dare they? (laughs) And you let one go, pretty soon it's all over the country. Well, it's a frightening message. They're sending a frightening message. To support the police and our troops? It's a frightening message. Yeah. All those people. Police, think about it. Police and military, what do they have in common? 
guns. What do guns do? Murder. No, well, I mean, guns, murder, people. It's a frightening message. No, it's all not. I'm saying. It's not all that frightening. <laughs> all I'm saying. And, 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 you know, certainly no leftist organization admits they want the military or police to not have guns. They I mean, they might argue that the average person shouldn't have guns, but they're yeah. not arguing that the police and the military should not have guns. That would be an interesting military, by the way. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that would be a tough one to roll over. Uh, it'd be like everybody would be the star of Heartbreak Ridge or whatever that movie is, is called that's coming up. Oh, yeah. The I think it opens one. on Friday, the Mel Gibson, where yeah. the guy was a conscientious objector. Yeah. But he actually went to war. He just went yeah. to war without a gun. I've never heard that story before. Have, have you? Incredible. Yeah. I, I had no idea that guy existed, and he won a, a Medal of Honor yeah. for his service, right? Yeah, no, Heartbreak Ridge is uh, with uh, Clint Eastwood. And oh, what's uh, it called? Heart, oh, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, yeah. It's Hacksaw Different Ridge, is, relax. Is, Heart, well, Heartbreak Ridge was my war. Which uh, <laughs> your and, war? Yeah, uh, you know, the Island of Spice. Yes, and yeah. so uh, I, I don't. They've actually I don't made a that, movie. I don't want to get the, that. I don't get that confused. They have not made a movie about the Island of Spice. Oh yeah, the Grenada War. What about they have made a movie about. <laughs> they made a war. They made a movie Clint about the Eastwood. war in Grenada. Thank you. Yes, Clint Eastwood did that. Thank you. I bring back too many memories. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm starting to tear up. <laughs> okay, well, we won't talk about it then. <laughs> But I want to get into this because this is amazing. Uh, in Middletown, Connecticut, which is just a, uh, a small little town. And I, I don't minutes. even know how the ACLU has ever even heard of them or why they're involved with this. But they're all over it. So just know the ACLU has your back when people start honoring the cops and the military. Thank goodness. Good. 888-727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Pat Stu and Jeffy filling in for Glenn today. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we want to get into maybe some things other than politics, perhaps. Yes, we're uh, two weeks at a day away from the election, but uh, we just want to take a little break from it. Uh, the Walking Dead premiered season seven, is it, Jeffy? Yes, it did. Season seven last night. We'll start there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'd have to say The Walking Dead is one of the best television shows of all time. Would you, would you I agree would, with that? I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. 24, up until now, up until recently, 24 was probably... Uh, the TV you, show uh, that I thought was maybe the greatest of all time. Every week was like movie quality programming. 
uh, during the best years of 24. And then at the end, it was like, shut up. <laughs> it, it was a commercial for care at the end. Right. And oh, global, and warming. global warming was the other one. Oh, it was agonizing. It's funny, now so. you're seeing like a pushback against that mm-hmm. because it, what was that uh, movie? Uh, it was an English movie, uh, a bunch of English guys, and they were kind of like in their own little FBI sort of secret service. Uh, the, oh God, the King, Kingsman. Kingsman? Anyone see the Kingsman? No. Um, the villain in that movie was uh, a guy, it was Samuel L. Jackson, who his belief was man was killing the environment so much he had to wipe out most of humanity and so he was starting out this like doomsday level event to kill all these people the new movie with tom hanks coming out uh which is uh from the um da vinci code yeah 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 yeah. seemingly from the the previews called inferno that's what it is right yeah the inferno virus is something created by a crazy environmentalist who believes he has to wipe out most of the world's population because the earth are, is destroying it. Wow. I mean, two from Hollywood. Good. Kind of incredible to see that. Um, yeah, but you go back to the 24 days. That was a big thing. They, they'd break and just say, by the way, we wanted, we, sh- we sure we shot we, a lot of, and yeah, tortured a bunch of We Muslim didn't mean to, and, and they don't ever think that any Muslim is ever responsible for any terrorism because that just can't happen. Ever. This is fiction, and you shouldn't happen. go beat up your local Muslim because we know yeah. you people, we know Thanks. what you're like. Thanks, Kiefer. Uh, yeah. None of us could figure that out on our own. Exactly. And then global warming, I don't even know how that one was thrown in there. Look, uh, you know, when, if you're going to kill a bunch of terrorists, you're going to emit some uh, CO2. And that's why we are going... That was just a bizarre tie-in. But I think it was one of the costs of, of liberals participating in a conservative show. It's like Kiefer. Come on, do this show. It's a great show. It's about, you know, this, you know struggling against terrorism. Look, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that material. If I can do a message about global warming, though, a serious message in the break, and just say, guys, I know this is all fun and games, this whole terrorism thing. It's not real. But... You know what is real? Invisible gas changing your world. <laughs> that is, you know, like you needed to have that in there to get them to play along. And they, they denied. I mean, we, we talked to Joel Chernow one time at a get-together, and, and I asked him if, you know, he was forced into He didn't think that they were doing anything out of the right. ordinary. And I, I don't know if he just, if that was just the line he had to sell to feel better about it. Uh, well, I think but it was pretty clear they had caved. At the end. I think, too, there's uh, an instance of, like, you're trying to be surprising, right? The thing with 24, there was always unexpected twists and turns. And you could say that, okay, the Muslim, because there's always a low-level Muslim terrorist involved in every 24 plot. At the very lowest level, there's a Muslim terrorist. There's an Islamic extremist involved. Yeah, but it's usually Uh, the president or vice president of the United States that's really behind it. Who's really behind it. It's always like uh, a Croatian. Like, okay. Croatian, a, but with help from the U.S. government. You got to get that help from the U.S. government. Job. It's always an inside job. Always. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. There was but, a French guy one year. There was a Croatian. There was a French guy, Croat or a Serb. I don't, I don't know which. And then there was some Frenchy guy in there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was always so Nazis. Uh, <laughs> that's, there's the one Nazi who's still South alive. African. Yep, he's South there. Africans are popular. Yeah, uh, you, can, you can make fun of them all day because so, of apartheid. So the Walking Dead doesn't do this. Like, there's not all the Walkers are not Republicans or anything like that. There's no. Actually, we don't have to deal pretty much with any politics like that. You're just beating the crap out of zombies. Yeah. yeah well, this year uh, and live people. Yeah, this really, year it's kind of morphed into the zombies are sort of secondary now. Really? It's really yeah. the live people they're you got to worry and, about. And, and first of all, we don't call them zombies. 
They're walkers. I know, but if you don't watch the show, you might not understand that. Uh, Hardly anybody doesn't watch the show. It's the number one show on TV. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see the ratings from last night. Yeah, it'll be interesting. uh, What they were, because I was just reading season six last season. They were 48% higher than the top show on broadcast TV. Season six, their ratings. Wow. 18 to 49. That's pretty impressive. It's on AMC. I know. Think of that. There was a time, what, five years ago? We didn't think that was possible. There would never be a cable show that would beat network television. It just wouldn't, that won't happen. This is, it's not even close. I mean, it's it's not even close. And, and now because of the walking dead and and other shows, yeah, there's a, I mean, there's breaking bad, uh, broke a lot of ground Mm -hmm. and, and created a lot of buzz. And then that kind of built up for The Walking Dead. And now look where that is. It is by far the number one show on TV. By far. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how well the I day I want to talk about it really bad. Uh, and you're going to not want me to talk about this episode. That well, was there, last I mean, night? they're saying there was a lot of violence, right? Yeah, I mean, that's there what was, I, I, there, I... There was there was quite a bit of violence. A lot of violence. With, uh, the, and there was quite a bit of violence done by... Lucille the Bat. If you if you <laughs> divulge one thing, because I haven't seen it yet, if you divulge, if you wreck this for me, <laughs> the violence on that show will be nothing compared to the violence I'm going to rain down on you today. Don't even do it. Well, uh, Don't even do it. I think it was Dana Lash, uh, who was on The Blaze as well, uh, tweeted something to the effect of that it's essentially, we it's torture porn. Like, we're to the point where now we're getting to torture porn in, in this show. Well, that was one of the knocks on it. Well, we, we read an article yeah. last week about the, the decline or something of The Walking Dead, and their deal was it started out as kind of charming violence or gore, and now it's become something, it's morphed into something more than that. Yeah, and they were, in that article he was talking about, uh, you know, the, he wanted the survivors to evolve. And he was saying that the survivors really haven't evolved enough. There's only been a couple. In, the, in this article, he mentioned Carol. But really, when you... I think all the characters have evolved uh, quite a lot. Oh, yeah, they have. And, and they've done the best they can to hold on to their humanity. I mean, that's what makes the show so good. Right. Right? And, and we're at a point now where... And you see that struggle all along to hang right. on to some remnant of humanity. Right. I mean, that's what makes them different than... Because uh, different if, than the people that they run into. If you know uh, about what the show's about, we're seven years now into this uh, apocalypse where every society is completely broken down. Yeah. There, there is no government. There is no authority. There's no law. There's, there's only chaos. And there's, there's only these walkers and then bad people trying to kill less bad. Groups people. of people trying to survive <laughs> together. Yes. And they're trying to set up some form of hierarchy so that there could be some order amongst the chaos. Um, and so for anybody to hang on to humanity in that situation, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty and, amazing. And, it, and this show, you know, obviously shows you how difficult it is yeah. uh, with all the violence around them. <laughs> Guys, like, this isn't a documentary. You realize that? Like what happened last, like, uh, for instance, what happened last night, Stu? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, no, you're if- not going to tell us what happened last night. <laughs> I got to tell us. Follow me on this though. This is uh, uh, the the Economist did an article about guns and, and how they get into films, and it's largely about how basically you know gun manufacturers like how specific guns get into films, they become popular, uh, and their sales go up. You know, just like product placement for anything. Sure. But there's one little nugget in there I thought was pretty interesting. Researchers have found that of uh, gun violence in PG-13 films 
and this doesn't this doesn't necessarily go to all violence, but this is just specifically gun violence. In, in recent years, has um, uh, it has tripled in 19, since 1985, and has even exceeded the violence in R-rated films. So now, we're, and we're seeing this with uh, oh. I, The Walking Dead is an example of this, where it's become so violent. There's some scenes in Breaking Bad, is another one. It's so incredibly yeah. uh, violent and disturbing, and it is going further and further and further on that. And yeah. I, it's a weird line because I, you know, for some reason that's much more okay than uh, than sort of the over sexualized stuff or even the yes, language. Yes, that's explainable. I think that, it is. I think it is. You're much less likely to go out and murder somebody after you've seen violence than you are to go out and have sex with somebody once you've been stimulated in that way, right? Yeah, I think, well, I don't know. I look at it a little differently than that, and that I think, like... I don't know. The, oh, the, come on. The difference between it's it is no-brainer. because you, morally speaking, for a second, morally, because I don't think that stuff, I don't necessarily think that, you know, uh, it can, uh, you know, obviously, like, you know, certain, uh, opening yourself up to certain things that you watch can influence your behavior. It's certainly been shown in studies. Uh, but I think, like, more than that is, morally speaking... I have no desire to go out and, you know, torture a zombie or a walker for the next 45 hours. Exactly. I have no, I mean, maybe I wouldn't if I was in that situation, but there's no like inherent desire for me to commit violence against another person. Obviously there is inside of most of us, uh, there is a sexual desire that you like. So right. see, you want to see mm-hmm. uh, women naked. You don't necessarily want to see, I have no I'm rooting for the person to avoid the violence in most of these movies. You want the person to get away, to escape. Uh, That's a different motivation, I guess, uh, when it comes to the nudity and such. But, I mean, again, even even language. I mean, Jeffy, ever since I've known Jeffy, one of the first things he said out of of his mouth when we were doing radio is, I'm not the word police, when someone was swearing on the air. I'm not the word police. (laughs) Jeffy, you're supposed to press the dump button so the audience said, I'm not the word police. police. That was the big Jeffy thing, and ever since I've known him, he said that. But, I mean, you think about it, we really do monitor language much more than we monitor violence. I mean, you know, it's it's a shocking thing. I mean, if someone comes on the air and swears here, we're going to dump your... You're gonna, we're going to dump your words. And, but, I mean, there would be huge consequences if we didn't. Uh, you know, the FCC would be all over that. We could, we could go on and on and on and on about uh, extreme violence. And in some cases, to make points about war and, and, and terrorism and things like that, we have. We've talked to you about people being beheaded uh, on, on the border and, and all of that. The crime that goes on there, you know, you could do that all day. But if, if you say a word that is a little bit salty... Oh the gosh. whole world collapses. Oh it is God. a weird standard. I mean, I, I do think that is a strange standard. We all kind mm-hmm. of accept the violence thing. And it's some of, sometimes it is. It can be really disturbing. I mean, stuff that was in Saw, you can now it see. Was, it was there for just the violence. I mean, just for the whole. Uh, that was the whole point of those movies, right? Was just to see how bad it was the you problem could torture people. Uh, Jeffy. Oh. How, how do you? How do oh, you? Pro- it's okay, really more of an IQ. You're right. Saw, You're right. How to get out of it. I apologize. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's certainly on HBO, for sure. But, I mean, even on AMC, I mean, you know, a, a scene in Breaking Bad, Bad comes to mind where they needed to get rid of a body and they put it in a bathtub with acid and stuff like that. It was really Oof. disturbing. Yeah, and and uh, there's some disturbing scenes in, in The Walking Dead. I mean, seriously, disturbing. <laughs> things that you'd never thought you could see on TV are right there for you. And it's the number one show. Number one on show. I know. I mean, remember how they used to say, like, well, family hour. And, and me, you know, for when you have shows that are aimed at a large audience, you don't put those things in there. And now, I mean, 
this is, while it's not aimed at family hour by any means, it's still a show that is the number one show on television. And I mean, it's probably the top three or four most violent shows on television. Oh yeah. I mean, I, by far. the stuff they talk, I listen to it. I cannot even discuss it on the air. I just went on this whole thing about how we can't, we can't say certain things on the air. I cannot even discuss on this show what was discussed on a, a recent episode of Law and Order SVU that I watched. I'll, I'll tell you, and I, you know, I cannot believe that Criminal, show airs. Criminal Minds does the same thing. Criminal Minds from time to time goes really deep into it's stuff insanity. we can't talk about. Sanity. I mean, the fact that there is a show that runs every week that is highly rated, that every week as a requirement of the episode is a detailed description of a brutal rape. Yeah. That's the premise of the show is that they're going to describe how a woman was brutally raped and left on some sidewalk somewhere. And of course, it's a one of those shows where you're looking for sort of forensic information and everything. So they always, as a requirement of the show, go into extreme detail about how the crime was committed, what fluid was left where, what, it, what it, I mean, what, what the medical That's reports say. And it's insanity. I, 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 went, I, was, uh, uh, in, I was in a hospital uh, for, you know, I had a relative who was uh, in the hospital. And they, you know, of course, as I think every day, they run a nonstop marathon on like TBS or something. And that was the channel that was on. So I was in the waiting room for hours and hours and hours and hours. And it was episode after episode after episode of freaking Law and Order SVU. And, I, you know, I, I'd watched the show a couple of times, but never really put it together. They, these people have put together hundreds of rape storylines. Oh, yeah. And it's on normal TV every single week. And they put together fake rape storylines and real real rape storylines yeah. and uh, storylines that match uh, today the top story in the news. Oh, yeah. yeah they like and the old rape storylines. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, this, the stuff that's discussed on just mainstream television, you know, they always like to say that, like, oh, conservatives, they're always trying to control the culture. If we are, we suck at it. I mean, we are terrible at that. I mean, the lines that get blown by every single day on television now. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah, we're, we're past Leave it to Beaverland. Oh, my gosh, yes. There was a scene last uh, gee, night in Walking Wally, Dead. it wouldn't be real neato if you told me what happened last night. I'll, I'll crush your skull. There was a scene last night. It wouldn't be real neato to tell me. <laughs> Hold on, let's just get a quick update from Jeffy of exactly what happened. Just overall, was it a, was it a great episode? I enjoyed it, yes. Yeah, okay. Triple eight seven two seven back. More of the Glenn Beck program coming up. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Beck program. What do you think about this uh, mega merger with AT&T, Bell South, Time Warner, Turner, TBS, CNN, Warner Brothers, DirecTV, all under the same umbrella, all the same company? Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you want the free market to be free, but then... You also think, well, isn't that like a monopoly? Don't we have 
It's, that standard should be super high for that. What? If you're, you're going to get the I government. Mean, you're what? getting pretty out of control with a company like that. Why? To do what? I mean, this, the, the worry is they might restrict. I mean, it's the same net neutrality arguments that get made over and over again. They might restrict uh, people from watching Game of Thrones because if you're not on AT&T or DirecTV. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they're not going to do that in their own interests. Second of all, the gov- should the government get involved because Game of... If they did do this, should the government get involved because Game of Thrones can't be watched by anyone else? Let's just say they went to a ridiculous level they never would. You can't purchase it. You can't watch it. We won't stream it to you if you're on a, comp- a competitor. If you have Comcast, you cannot see this show from HBO. And... Like, is that oh, where the government is supposed to step I, in? And I just worry about competition. I worry about, I mean, this is almost everybody. I mean, this is. But again, like, we've been hearing AT&T. these warnings for how long? And, and it's like, has, has, the, has our entertainment options, have they increased or decreased? We've got the number one show on television is on AMC. Yeah, I know. I mean, we have this, this world. Again, you're, we're at a point where the, the, the shows that everybody's talking about are on a network that's not even a network. Netflix, and we talked about this last week on Pat and Stu, which, by the way, airs on The Blaze uh, every day. Um, and this was a, a situation where it's Netflix that's spending more than anyone else on original yeah. programming. Netflix. This is, you'd all, you know, you, I mean, mm-hmm. we have more options now than we've ever had before, more high-quality television than we've ever had before. These are the these are the golden years of television right now. I mean, you can go to channels you didn't even know existed five years ago and watch shows that are better than anything that was on television. Nerve wracking because just 15 months ago, AT and T acquired Directv. Uh, now, if they acquire Time Warner, that gives it HBO, CNN, TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network, and Warner Brothers. That's <laughs> a uh, that's a pretty massive company. Yeah. The Glenn Beck Program. To the Glenn Beck Program. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program, 727 Beck. Uh, ceremony honoring law enforcement, military, and first responders right before a high school football game on Friday night has drawn criticism from the ACLU of New Jersey because of an underlying frightening message. <laughs> ceremony was held before a highly anticipated clash between uh, two top-ranked teams in the state, Middletown South, Tom's River North. Ceremony was organized by Middletown Police Chief Stephen Dollinger, and it featured state police pipes and drums of the blue and gold, state and local mounted units, military personnel from all branches of service, and officers from surrounding police departments and sheriff's units. How frightening. Oh, my gosh. Mm. At a high school football game. 
It also honored the Linden police officer who was wounded in a shootout with Ahmad Khan Rahimi, who's accused of bombings in Seaside Park, Elizabeth, and New York City. Uh, Dollinger told the Ashbury Park Press before the event that the ceremony was also meant to respond to pro athletes who have taken a knee during pregame performances at the, of the National Anthem. It's okay to stand up for justice, social justice, inequality, and reform, Dollinger told the newspaper. It's another thing to not stand up for the National Anthem. Uh, those comments caught the attention of the ACLU of New Jersey, who condemned the ceremony in a letter written to uh, the high school officials. As initially described, the event appeared to honor police officers, veterans, service members, and first responders. According to press reports, however, the event is being used to intimidate and ostracize people who express their views about systemic racism and social just. And social just? I, I, I don't know if they meant justice or not. But um, so you can you can go ahead and honor the police, but you can't protest a protest. <clears throat> How does that work? I don't know. That's an interesting new standard. Uh, I mean, I, honoring police has been, you know, and certainly our military has been something we've done in this country pretty regularly Forever. without opposition for a long time. Not in public, though. We never did it in public. Oh, no, we did oh, it in, in front public. of people. Uh, yeah, we, we, if we did. We've had parades. Yes, lots of them <laughs> in front of people, in front of millions and millions of people. Really? Broadcast to tens of millions of people. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So it's funny because if they took the opposite stance, uh, it and they said you know they did a Kaepernick esque um, protest, probably the media wouldn't be uh, up in arms about that at all. And certainly the ACLU wouldn't be. No, they'd be fine with it, I'm sure. But the fact that you're supporting police and uh, and and the military apparently is controversial now. Uh, Although, I don't know how much of this is just kind of like the media gets on these bandwagons and it makes you feel. We always go back to this one example of uh, when we were doing the show in Jeffy in Tampa and uh, it was shark attack year, the the year of the shark attack. And like every day there was another story about how shark attacks are skyrocketing. Now, at the end, that year happened to be 2001, uh, which you may remember for another uh, incident, uh, which uh, happened the week Glenn was going to. That was the week that yeah. Glenn was going to go we dive go. live into a shark tank. Gosh, so many he made a big so promotion pe- about that. Everything yeah. man, it was big. So many people wish he did, and it turned out terribly. However, he did not actually dive in because it would have been a little uh, ridiculous uh, the Friday after nine eleven uh, to do a stunt in a uh, in, mm-hmm. in a shark tank. Um, however. Uh, that was a media thing. And by the end of the year, we found out that actually they weren't even really up. Uh, there wasn't right. even an increase in shark attacks. And, of course, the next year it just dropped back down again, and it was no, no big deal. So I wonder how much of this anti-policed angst is just built up in the media. Listen to this poll. This just came out uh, from Gallup. They've been asking the question about do you respect – how much respect do you have for police? Okay. Um, last year, uh, a great deal, people said 64%. In the last year, with all these incidents and all these protests and all the Kaepernick stuff and all of that, it's increased great res- deal of respect from 64 to 76 percent. It's the highest on record. It ties basically with 1968, but it's the highest on level as far as res- uh, on record. Wow. Respect for police. Well, that's great. The people who uh, only had some respect for police dropped from 25 to 17 percent. Uh, and the police who had hardly any respect for police dropped from 10 to 7 percent, dropped from 10 to 7 percent. Um, now, look, you know, when you have a bunch of police officers getting shot in Dallas and there's been a lot of cases like this, you, you might expect some um, 
reaction to that. Mm. However, it's surprising. I don't think that's what I would get from the media. This is before the shootings in Dallas. Um, co- Americans' confidence in the police ro- rose from 52 to 56 percent. Um, and uh, uh, how this is kind of interesting as well. You'd expect this from evil white people. Okay. From 2014 to 2016, the respect for police among white people increased from 64 to 80 percent. So white people, as you know, they like the cops. Okay. 64 to 80 percent. However, non-whites also went up from 53 to 67 percent. A huge increase for non-white people and their respect for police. Which is the exact opposite of the narrative you would hear. It's interesting because the police in many uh, communities have been doing outreach programs. And, uh, the, you know, like you see these videos of a cop stopping and playing basketball with an inner city kid or, you know, helping them fix their bike. or They, they do a lot of cool things like that. And maybe that's paying huge dividends with people. Maybe that's, maybe that's paying off. Yeah, and I think, I think, too, there's a level of self-examination that goes on during one of these periods. When, you know, uh, in Black Lives Matter, for example, is essentially questioning your belief that police officers are generally good. Mm-hmm. Their case is police officers are generally bad. They're, they're influenced by uh, racial animus. They are trying to take out black people because they don't care. They're being, pulling them over all the time, driving while black. They shoot first, ask questions later when there's a black person involved. Mm-hmm. All of these things are the generalized narrative. And I understand there's a lot of people within Black Lives Matter who don't believe those things. But generalized, that is the narrative. The leadership certainly the leadership. seems to believe it. Exactly. And so maybe because of those things being talked about so much, people are looking internally and saying, wait a minute, do I actually buy that crap? I mean, I know people say it, but do I believe that? I mean, yes, there are people who are bad and do bad things. But do I believe, generally speaking, the police should not be trusted? Do I believe that they, I have no confidence in the police? Do I really not respect the police? Maybe people are asking themselves those questions. And when faced with that question, they're answering honestly, which is, look, we all know that there are incidents that are bad. We see this, you know, this is a, you know, you, you get in arguments with your friends on Facebook and Twitter and they'll, the, the we always mock this thing that people do, which is like, well, uh, we, we've seen what's happened in our society. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, the list goes on. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not a list. It's more of two. And both of them are, neither one of them fits actually they, what you're talking about. don't make your point. Right. But even if you do have, and you do have several cases, three, four, five, six, that you Eric could probably Garner point to. We've Eric Garner, we've talked to about before. Um, you know, but there's... There's, there are several that you could point to where the police had uh, questionable, sometimes yeah, they were seemingly in the wrong, and but behavior. You can't tell for sure. You don't know if it was, it was race, race or not. But still, you can always come up with bad examples of things the police have done because they're human beings. Okay, they do things that are are wrong sometimes, and those things should be rooted out. They should. Uh, but you know, that's not an argument. Listing two or three names, then saying the list goes on. So we all in our head fill in this mythical long list of people who have been um, abused by police officers. There's not enough time on television to say them all. Right. That's what John Oliver said. In the middle of a 20-minute monologue, John Oliver stops and goes here. uh, And gave, I think, three names and then said, the list is too long. I cannot speak about them here. You had 20 minutes. (laughs) How long would the list take? I'm not saying there are zero. There are many that we haven't heard of that we couldn't quote the names 
But the point is... There's many white people who yes. fit that same description. Absolutely. and, and More, and study, in fact, than blacks. They've studied this, and they've shown that police officers tend to use uh, their guns quicker and more frequently on white perpetrators that they believe are dangerous. The reason for that is they are more convinced they won't be blamed uh, for doing it. We've also seen this uh, recent evidence came out that police officers who wear body cameras are not less, but more likely to use their weapons to try to, to, to stop a situation because they've got proof they're not crazy racists. They've got the video, so they're not as worried about it. You know, these things show, I think, indicate, generally speaking, that uh, police officers are good. And, you know, they're probably the best among us. They're the ones out there risking their freaking lives to keep us safe. And I know that's a, a cliche, but it's true. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had police officers in my family that they, you know, they, they, they go out every day and their families don't know if they come home that night or Absolutely. not. They never know when that incident is coming up. They're making decisions in a split second that, yeah. could, that save your life and theirs. And sometimes they make the wrong ones and they should be uh, punished for that uh, if they did it uh, recklessly. Sometimes there are incidents in which the police have tried to cover up things. There are all of these things are based on some germ of truth. But the American people look at this so far and say, wait a minute. You know what? In reality, I actually do respect the, the job the officers do. And in reality, I do think that they're generally speaking good people. I do think that. And I, I think that's a positive. Maybe this Kaepernick stuff and all this stuff surrounding it has refocused people on who the police really are. And they're good people. Yeah. And I think there needs to be more of them stationed around Donald Trump. Um, he was threatened over the weekend. He was. He was threatened over the weekend by the vice president of the United States. Did you hear oh. what Biden said? I, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, I have not wanted to get into, if you notice in the national press, talking about Trump's behavior, mm-hmm. his personal behavior. Yeah. But what he said he did and does. Mm-hmm is a textbook definition of sexual assault. And think, no, no, think about this. Textbook definition of sexual assault. Yay! I love the textbook definition of sexual assault. That's such a great thing. Yay! He said, because I'm famous, because I'm a star, because I'm a billionaire, I can do things. Other people can't. <laughs> what is he doing here? I don't know. <laughs> this is, what is his speech pattern? What a disgusting this is his assertion fake here. Uh, for anyone to make. That's the speech pattern. Th- this is the fake that's outrage what, That's what of you Joe say Biden. about it? What a disgusting thing or something that that was. He doesn't even know what it was, really. He's just, I think he's ad-libbing here. Yeah. And he's, he's like you said, he's faking some outrage. He's manufacturing some outrage. That's always asked me, don't I wish I were debating him? Mm-hmm. No, I wish we were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. <gasps> That's what I wish. Oh, boy. If that, if that was a Republican saying that about a Democrat, can you imagine the fallout today? He actually threatened Joe Biden with violence. He actually threatened Barack Obama with violence. That's yeah. all they'd be yelling about. If somebody had said they wanted to take Barack Obama behind the, the woodshed at high school oh and beat him, are you kidding me? Right. That would be racist. That would be violent. The Secret Service would be on them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all comes to the that. underlying circumstance here, which is 
With Joe Biden, they think he's just making, turning a phrase, he's just saying that because he's funny, and it's just not Joe funny. being Joe. No, I know, but I'm saying their perception. I know. The perception know. with Trump is they take it seriously. When, like, I mean, the sexual assault thing is, a, is an example of this. We brought this up on Pat and Stu, and it's, it's a, I have, you know, I do not like any of the things. I mean, even as Melania Trump said, she didn't like the words that were said there yeah. on the bus. Uh, however, everyone pretty, pretty much summarizes this as he was advocating sexual assault. And we were talking about this the other day and that, like, let, let's just say it wasn't Donald Trump who said those words. Let those words come out of the mouth of Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio says, look, I walk into the room. Uh, you know, I can I can kiss. I, I, they'll, they'll let me do whatever they want because I'm a star. I'll go up and I'll grab them mm-hmm. by the. Mm-hmm. Now, people would not think that Leonardo DiCaprio was assaulting women. They, they he would think that they was it was a situation where they were he was talking big about his game, how he can hook up with any woman he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were willing participants. They were willing participants because he said, let them. Yeah. Right. He, they'll let me do whatever I want to do because I'm a star. Right. And I'm not saying that that's how Trump thinks about it. But the, th- the situation you have to understand with Donald Trump is Donald Trump thinks he is Leonardo DiCaprio. That's the world he comes from. In his head, he's way better looking than Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I'm not def- by any means defending Donald Trump at all on this. But the media, if it came from Leonardo DiCaprio's mouth, would look at it. It'd totally be a totally different deal. Yeah, it'd be a totally different deal. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. More of the Glenn Beck program with Pat Stu and Jeffy coming up. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck program. Again, uh, early voting begins. Today in Texas, going on right now. It's been going around the country for a while in many states. It's been going on since 1975 in some states. <laughs> yes. Uh, they've been voting. <laughs> you had to predict who you thought would be president, uh, which is kind of Before strange. the nominees were even announced for 1980, they were vote. already voting for the 2016 <laughs> presidential election. A lot of votes being cast for JFK Jr., which, which is uh, weird. Which is weird. And, uh, they couldn't have foreseen. No, they could not. But, so. I mean, that's why you don't vote early, at least that early. <laughs> Um, I, I, it's uh, yeah, over six million votes have been cast already across the country. Wow! Uh, so it, it, people keep thinking, well, what, will this election turn around, or what will happen before election day? I mean, it is election day. We're, we're, this yeah. is it. We're in the middle of it right now. People are voting as we speak right now. So uh, either way, no matter what you think, go out and vote. It's getting uh, harder and harder for any October surprise to mean anything. Yeah, because the votes one fourth over already. Mm-hmm. The one fifth, something like that. Glenn is back tomorrow morning. Is Pat, Stu, Jeffy. Um, it seems that the media has some sort of obsession with blaming talk radio hosts who have never wanted Trump to be the nominee. Blaming him. Blaming us. 
for him being the nominee. Uh, I think it's something I don't necessarily agree with. We'll get into that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. It's an interesting story. I think you're referring to it uh, from Business Insider, Oliver Darcy and Pamela Engel, talk about what the role is for the right-wing media, conservative media in general, as to the rise of Trump and what's happened here. What's the future? as it goes forward. Yeah. And it's, it's a really interesting story. I encourage you to read it. I'll, I'll uh, tweet it out at World of Stew. Um, but it's, and I, I, I'm quoted in it as well. You get to hear some of my stupid thoughts, but here's more of them. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting idea that um, conservative media has a role in Trump, particularly those who opposed him. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I make the point this way. It's like, Jeffy... Um, it, it, <laughs> I wouldn't say is in great shape as a human. Yeah. Um, I would maybe potentially, you've called yourself athletically overweight and that's a, that's a charitable way to to describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's just say, I say to Jeffy, Jeffy, you're too fat. You're too fat. You need to go on a diet. Which you never would say. I never do this. I'm just saying this is an example, Jeffy. You need to understand that. Jeffy, you're too fat. You need to go on a diet. And you're too fat. You need to go on a diet. And I keep saying, you know what you need to do is uh, simple to lose. It's simple to lose. Uh, you need to lose 100 pounds. You use simple to lose. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And, you, you know, there's an argument about that, and everyone fights about it. And eventually, Jeffy says, you know what? Yes, you're right. I need to go on a diet, except I'm going to choose all Twinkies as that diet. Well, I don't know if you could blame me for that. Yes, I actually do believe there's a problem in Washington, and I do believe there's a problem with politicians, and I do believe there's a problem with the media. No, but Jeffy's um, eating all Twinkies now. But yeah, that's your right, fault. That's right. your fault because you told him to go on a diet. Right, and right. It's, I, I think it's like you have to be able to it's say like, that there's a solu- like the solution yeah. is important, and the fact that we talked about conservative principles. Yes, we believe there's a problem with the media. Yeah, we believe there's a, pol- a mm-hmm. problem with politicians. But th- that distinction, I think, has to be made. Some people obviously cheered on Trump, and you know, certainly they can be talked about as the as the cause for Trump, right? But I mean, yeah, if you oppose yes. Donald Trump you and you oppose the thing he stands for, I don't see how you can be held re- responsible for that. Well, it's it's weird because they're blaming us. They've, uh, I mean, Barack Obama was just asked recently if he was responsible for the rise of Trump. Yeah, um, and he quickly explained what he's not going to do. Not going to do is to. Uh, uh-huh. Validate some notion that some notion uh, that the, the Republican Republican uh, crack up that's crack been up. taking place Republican crack uh, up. is uh, is is a consequence of uh-huh. uh, uh, actions uh, that I'm, I've taken yeah. and 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 I, I what what's interesting I'll, I'll just say one last thing about this okay, there please. are thoughtful conservatives who sure. are troubled by this. Who are troubled by the direction of their party. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think it is very important for them to reflect on. Very important for them. Uh, reflect what it is about the politics they've engaged in. Really, that allows. I mean, uh, the the circus we've been seeing to transpire. I mean, to me, that's of course. There's no similar thoughtfulness. 
or introspection that's apparently necessary on the part of Democrats to determine how their crack-up occurred. How did the party of JFK become the party of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton? Marxists and socialists, that's never considered. No one ever seems to have to contemplate that crack-up. And to me, that is a huge crack-up. The Democrats aren't even Democrats anymore. They're socialists now. But everyone is trying to pin the blame for for the Trump phenomenon on someone. Uh, The Atlantic ran a story uh, recently asking if the Tea Party was responsible, and many others have implicated us as the culprit. Now, we're not even Trump supporters and haven't been from the beginning. How can we be responsible? We've we've spoken against the guy the whole time, as many people will remind us, and you. (laughs) Um, But apparently the thinking is that because we warned about Obama and his policies so much that we helped create the anger that led to the American people being so angry that they'd take anyone including this guy. I, I guess that's the theory. And that's the diet analogy, right? Like, you it's know, the diet like, analogy. It's like, yeah, you yes, know what? It, right. it should, was there a legitimate reason to be angry at some of the things yes. going on? I think the answer yes. to that is yes, but it, you have to pair that with some sort of solution. And yes. if you use that anger in a negative way, that's not our responsibility. I would use another analogy. It's like, it's like saying that hunger led to the Holomador. Now, I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing again. No, I'm no. not comparing Donald Trump to the Holomador. <laughs> I, this is just an analogy, like 11 million Russians were, died because they were forced into starvation. The Russian people asked for food, not to be shot trying to obtain it. <laughs> I mean, it, well, you complained about being hungry, right? Well, yeah, and then people came to the orchard, so uh, we shot you, so you shouldn't have said that you were hungry. I mean, it's, yeah. it's madness. It's asinine. And what, what's the alternative to taking the risk of angering people, staying quiet, shutting our mouths, not saying anything about Barack Obama's policies, uh, over which we disagreed so much? I guess we should have just ignored the problems and, and shut our mouths, and then that wouldn't have led to Trump. It, it's, it's silly. There were actual revolutionary communists in the White House. There was a, a man in the Oval Office who, who was mentored by a communist, raised by communists, sought the company of communists, Went to church with a Marxist who was leading the congregation. I mean, that warrants discussion. At least we thought so at the time. So did we always relate those conversations in the most dulcet of soothing tones? Probably not. We didn't whisper sweet nothings about how none of it mattered because it was so wonderful that Barack Obama was the first black president of the United States, so we should leave it alone. I mean... Name one person in public life who's always uh, calm and cheerful. Name one. And certainly go back to every time a Republican is president and you don't find Democrats being calm and dulcet. No, you you don't. don't. They're screaming about how Bush is a terrorist. Uh, They're talking about how he was responsible for 9-11. Right. I mean, you know, they did all of these things that they complain about now. That doesn't mean that, oh, well, we should do them too. But, I mean, it's an understandable human behavior when things are happening in government that you don't like. People react a little bit. The question is focusing that reaction to something positive. Yeah. Which is what we tried to do. Was Jodie Foster responsible for uh, John Hinckley? No. He was obsessed with her, and he shot Ronald Reagan for her. Does that make her responsibility? No, no, she does not have responsibility for the Reagan assassination attempt. She does not. Of course not. 
So our message during the past eight years was always about principles and values. And that's, that's why Glenn started the 9-11, the 9-12 project, um, to emphasize the importance of principles and values. It's why he always brings up moral sentiments by Adam Smith when he talks about wealth of nations, because the two of them, the principles and the values, go together with the capitalist uh, system. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And, and our founders always told us this nation doesn't work without principles and values. I mean, what, we, what do we say every single time we talked about our biggest event? Uh, the one in Washington, D.C., Restoring Honor. It said, leave your signs at home. This isn't about politics. Leave the signs at home. Leave the three-cornered hats at home. We, di- we didn't want you dressing as founders. We didn't want you know slogans about Obama. It wasn't about politics. Politics and over 500,000 people showed up that day in 2010. And all they heard was a message of love and togetherness, principles and values. That's what they heard. That's what we shared with them. Same with restoring courage in Israel the next year. And, and this, the same with restoring love in Dallas. The, the name should give you a little clue as to what that event was about. Um, there were no politics in any of those events. In fact, we spent so much time talking about unity, love, and restoration uh, that some people have begged us to stop. <laughs> so now along comes a guy with all the anger and, and none of the principles and values that we've been talking about, and we're responsible? No. No. And, and Glenn has accepted his share of the blame for nasty rhetoric. In fact, more, more, than, his more than his share. Obviously. A lot more than his share. Yes. He's, re- he's accepted responsible responsibility for things he didn't even do. Right, to the point that it's annoying. And we tell him it every time it he is. does this. It <laughs> is. <laughs> we do. We, we bust on him all the time for that because, you know, I mean, look, you have to, nobody in the audience wants Glenn uh, to, to uh, say something that he doesn't believe is, isn't true. Right. I can't believe anyone would want that from a talk show host. I can't either. I mean, if you go, to. they seem to lately. Lately. I mean, because you even get that from like, uh, from people who are callers and people on social media who just anything in their life, the most, the biggest thing in their world seems to be to make us vote how they are voting. It's like, well, why, I mean, why just, just vote the way you want to vote and leave me alone. I, know. And I don't see why that's a big deal to people. Uh, if you believe that, if Donald Trump crosses your line and he's okay for you, fine, do it. I don't, I'm not even trying to convince you of the opposite. I mean, I, he, he, to me, violates a lot of things that I, I can't deal with. But that's, that's my standard. It's not yours. You're, we're here to talk about these issues and for you to develop your own standards. That's why we do this every day. I know it helps me develop my standards. That's what I do. We talk about these issues outwardly, and we examine our stances on these issues every freaking week, 15 hours a week, plus patents due for another 10 hours a week, plus wonderful world of stew for another hour. You get all that in there, you wind up focusing and coming up with a real set of principles that you believe in. And that's why we stand by them. People tune into these shows because they want to hear the news, they, and they want to have that same, I think, journey. If, he, if Donald Trump is fine for you, then vote for the guy. But I don't know why you're obsessed with, with who I'm voting for or who Jeffy's voting for. No one cares about anything Jeffy says. Or us being responsible for Trump or for the loss if it occurs. I mean, he's for us. Now, this isn't bashing him. It's just for us. He's the opposite of everything we've talked about. He is not the guy we've talked about. Uh, needing in the White House. He is not. He's the antithesis of virtually everything we've talked about needing in the White House. But if you think he's what we need in the White House, then, like Stu said, vote for him. Or if you think 
he is not the guy we need in the White House, but just the best of two crappy options. Then vote and, for him. Then feel free to vote for him. Right. I, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. I mean, again, if Donald Trump, and it becomes seemingly with polls, is getting closer and closer to being reality, but if Donald Trump can't win Texas by four votes, he's got bigger problems than us. I mean, he needs to be able to win Texas. This is not supposed, he doesn't even supposed to think about winning Texas. Okay? So if he can't win by four votes because he couldn't get the four votes on the Glenn Beck program, then come talk to us. (laughs) We don't own it. No. The people who have been pushing the guy from the beginning. Yeah. Own it. And again, well, Trump owns it. This is a, 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 a conservative point. It's, it comes from conservative values. If uh, we talk about Democrats saying all the time, well, this tax cut's going to cost us $100 billion. No. What that tax cut is going to do is you're going to take less of my money. Right. It doesn't cost the government anything. It's my money that they're taking through taxation, and they're going to take a little bit less of it. The same thing applies to your vote. <laughs> People act as if Donald Trump had my vote and then I had to go take it from him and I'm costing him a vote. No, no, it's my vote. And Donald Trump or Evan McMullen or whoever else has to earn it. It's their job to earn it. If they've if he's if Donald Trump has earned your vote. Great. That's great for you. It's great. great for Donald Trump. But he didn't earn mine. So what? Why do you care about how I'm voting? Oh, they do. I, it's just it's just an unbelievable uh, oh, amount of do. passion behind those things. And I think, tell me if you disagree with any of this as far as the media goes. This is what I was talking about in the, our, the Business Art, uh, Insider article. Um, we sort of operate on this show uh, under the idea that the audience is filled with rational people. Mm-hmm. I think the play is long term, the audience will re- reward you for telling the truth. If your host is doing things that are acting specifically as some booster for a candidate, especially if they know they're not true... You have to call them out on that stuff. If you sense that from, uh, from someone that you are watching or listening to, you shouldn't go back to those shows. If we came on the air and said, hey, by the way, these online polls that you can just click on any website are showing that Trump is going to win big, it makes our listeners who go to Facebook and go to Twitter and tout the viewpoints that we've just said, it makes them look dumb. We are screwing our own audience if we were to do those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't want that from a show. I know I don't want that from an audience. It's letting the listeners down. And I think hopefully when this is over, the market will respect those things. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, 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 they talk about it as being a little bit optimistic. And I think it probably is. It's the optimistic uh, viewpoint of this. But part of this, I think, is just being caught up in an election where everyone's, you know, sort of drunk on 2016. I mean, afterwards, I think people have to look at what they what what shows they frequent, what websites they frequent and ask, are they even trying to tell me the truth? Are they trying to do something else with my life? Are they trying to control my opinion and move me in some weird way because they have some agenda or are they just trying to tell me the truth as they believe it? I mean, I think, you know, that's an that's a question that's going to be only properly answered in the calm after the election, if it ever comes. Well, you look at you look at the massive headline on Drudge this morning, and it says shock polls. Shock polls. All tied up, which is from a poll where Trump was leading by two. Right. So, two Trump, yeah, so they're touting this as a shocking poll, which, yeah. uh, again. It was what? actually ahead in this poll. In this poll a couple of days, ago. Couple of days ago. So this is actually a bad result for Trump. It's right. moved against him the last like couple like it's days. a good thing. Right. Trump plus two, which is the Rasmussen poll yep. where he's been ahead the whole time. Yeah, virtually. Virtually the whole time. And then Clinton plus one, which is the L.A. Times poll, which is also a weird one because he's been 
very close or ahead in that one. The whole time. Well. The whole time. Again, that's a bad result. Two of those three are bad results straight out. And they're bad results from good polls for him. Right. And then it ignores every other every poll. Other and I promise you, every other poll is showing that he's losing by 5, 6, 7, 10, to 12, 12 15. 15 was the biggest margin. So if you're a drudge listener or, or viewer, why the hell do you think it's a shocking poll? Every poll you've seen on the website since the beginning has shown Trump winning. First of all, they so don't. Why would you believe it's shocking? They don't believe that it's shocking. They believe that it's shock. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Shock poll. That is an important uh, clarification. Uh, more of the Glenn Beck program coming up. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, 888-727-BECK. Cubs are in the uh, World Series for the first time in a while. Amazing. 1945? Uh, yeah, for 1945 is the last wow. time they won the NL pennant. Uh, ESPN has a great list of things. They actually that, didn't win this, the World Series that year. It was 1908. 08. 08. I mean, the last time they won it. So this list is of things that didn't exist the last time they won the pennant. Not the World Series, but just the pennant. Just the pennant. The, the last time they went to the World Series. 1945. Uh, their manager, Joe Madden, yeah. did not exist. The NBA. Didn't exist? Did not exist the last time they went to the World what? Series. Wow. Color television. Super glue. Microwaves, <laughs> satellites, hula hoops, hula. Wow. Hula hoops are something you use as an example of something old. Yeah. And that didn't even exist. Barcodes, both the states of Alaska and Hawaii. Right. right. Uh, the team they just beat to get to the World Series, the Los Angeles Dodgers, did not exist. Yeah, because it was a Brooklyn. Brooklyn Dodgers. Dodgers. Uh, the LCS, the championship series they just won, did not exist yet. It was only the World Series then. Credit cards. Credit cards. Uh, Diet soda, which, of course, there's a world I do not want to live in, a world without diet soda. (laughs) These aren't even the obvious ones. Right. Like the internet and all that. Oh, yeah. These are way old. The Korean War, international air travel. Wow. Velcro, Barbie dolls, pacemakers, and Mr. Potato Head. That's amazing. It's incredible. What else didn't exist? The Walking Dead. That's true. <laughs> Did I tell you about last night's episode? No, kill please you. tell me more. It will kill you. I'll take a baseball bat to your head and... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
The story in the Los Angeles Times today about one in one in four students at an L.A. high school migrated from Central America, many without their parents. So they just crossed the border into the United States, and uh, now they're going to school here. And uh, presumably, they're illegal aliens. Right? Um, kind of interesting, because there's a story now, there's a like a flashback audio about Donald Trump in 2012 talking about immigration and his policy was different then. And But what really caught my attention on, on that clip was the question from this CNBC reporter when, when she asked him about his stance on, on immigration. Listen to this. You are a supporter of the Republicans. It confuses me about Republicans who claim that they believe in the free movement of labor, capital, and goods. They're all good on goods and the capital, but when it comes to labor... A lot of the a lot of the Republican Party is very anti-immigrant. Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, Republicans are not anti-immigrant because they oppose illegal immigration. Right. And that is just so that drives me out of my mind. It's like this high school. I don't mind kids coming here from Mexico and Central and South America and going to school at a, at a Los Angeles high school. That's great. When they come here legally, that's fine. Come here legally. Follow the rules. It has to be that way. Otherwise, eventually, the country will not be able to handle this influx. It just won't. Yeah. And it will not be good to have all of these people. It's not good for them, and it's not good for us. To have all of these people who do not speak English, don't even try. And then they stay at the bottom of the ladder their whole lives trying to find a way to get by and survive in this country when they could be thriving. If they came here legally, if they learned the language, if they had those skills, if, if we could ask something of them, like, what do you bring to us when you come here? Uh, all right, here, let's help you get there. I, I mean, that's what a country does. And one of the things Trump says all the time now is that we don't have a country without these borders. It's true. That is true. If, if you just ignore the border, pretty soon it won't be the same country. It's interesting because uh, the, the question, what were the Republicans were all on board for uh, the free movement of goods and labor. Not anymore. I mean, yeah, they're not. basically, the, the they're not. Uh, goods and uh, capital were the other two issues. Because labor, by that definition, is essentially saying you should be able to cross the border and work wherever you want. And you're yes. right. The Republicans are not on board for that because we believe in the rule of law. Um, you know, but but we used to be pretty much in favor of the move, free movement of goods and capital. We were free traders, less financial uh, uh, restrictions. Those things are all seemingly dead now, too. The whole question is, what did Trump say to that? What, what was his, did he, did he answer the question? Well, you know, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he answered the question. Let's go through it. For a supporter of the Republicans, it confuses me about Republicans who claim that they believe in the free movement of labor, capital, and goods. They're all yeah. good on goods and the capital, but when it comes to labor, a lot of the, a lot of the Republican Party is very anti-immigrant. Is uh, a good idea? When actually it's quite good for the economy to have as much labor movement as possible. Trump's going to be all over this one. Well, you know my views on it, and I'm, uh, you know, not necessarily, I think I'm probably down the middle on that also, because I also understand Mm. how, as an example, you have people in this country Mm -hmm. for 20 years. They've done a great job. They've done wonderfully. They've gone to school. They've gotten good marks. They're productive. Now we're supposed to send them out of the country. I don't believe in that, Michelle, and you understand that. 
I don't I don't believe huh. in that, Michelle, and you understand that. And that's how he answered the All right, still, uh, question. That's, that's interesting. But again, that's ancient history. That, that happened in, you know. The last presidential election. 2012. 2012. So. <sighs> well, it's an interesting, uh, that's, wow, it's an interesting clip on uh, many different levels. Uh, yes, it is. Isn't it? Um, yes. So I don't know. I mean, it's. We are in a, it's a strange world of the election. Let's, let's focus on something not election related. Let's talk about principles for a second. Um, uh, not election related, that's for sure. <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, so we hear all the time there's a war on women. Mm-hmm. Women are being uh, trounced upon and they can't. And we know that's they have true. No, they have no rights. Right. They have no, absolutely no rights whatsoever. Uh, they are constantly being oppressed. I mean, you know that. In Europe. In Europe, they have rights. Yeah, in Europe, they have rights. In That's Europe, where the progressive rights. solutions are. Um, and the reason they are being oppressed here in the United States is, uh, you know, these conservatives with their abortion policies. Terrible. As you know, yeah, terrible. In, in Europe, they're, they're more enlightened. Mm. In, in Europe, women have freedom of choice. In, in Europe, women can do what they want with their bodies. Their bodies, right. So abortion, of course, in the United States is completely legal at any point in a woman's pregnancy. In Washington, New Jersey, New Mexico, Colorado... Vermont, New Hampshire, Alaska, and Washington, D.C. The other 43 states uh, restrict abortion after a certain point in pregnancy, which, of course, is completely oppressive to women. Right. Um, so three states, Virginia, South Carolina, and Iowa, prohibit abortion after the 28th week. I mean, if you only have seven months to make up your mind, I mean, how can that? That's complete oppression. <laughs> I mean, only seven months to come to a decision on whether you're going to abort your child or not. I mean, what, what if you think about it in month eight? Then uh, they're, you're totally screwed in those states unless you travel to another state, which is would be an easy. That's asking flight. too much of them, right? Yeah, but that's asking. That's do. what I'm saying. Let me let me ask you. Okay, so I'm still trying to assimilate this. Seven states have no restriction on abortion, right? And now there are some so partial federal, birth abortion. Partial birth is, is a federal abortion. Uh, uh, there was a ban on partial birth abortion that was right. signed under uh, under um, Bush. However, there are exceptions to that and such like. There's late-term abortions, which are different than partial birth abortions. Again, late-term abortions in the United States, late-term, not partial birth. So partial birth is like it's half in and you and you abort the baby. I mean, it's it's a it's a legalistic line that only an inhuman person can can think is 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 correct. Hmm. However, uh, late-term abortion is you know third trimester. That is opposed by about 84% of Americans. That's how unpopular that proposal is. But still, in seven states, you can have that. Uh, 28 weeks in the three states I mentioned, Virginia, South Carolina, and Iowa. 20 states uh, prohibit abortion at the point of viability, which they argue is around the 24th week. Okay, 11 states. Viability. Way before that. Right. Way before and it's becoming that. earlier and earlier yeah. because of technology. Yeah. The point of viability is interesting because it's going to eliminate more and more abortions as we go forward. The point of viability um, is the point at which the child can be born and still survive. Still survive outside the womb. So the mother doesn't even need to be involved anymore after the birth. It actually can survive on its own. Um, 11 states prohibit abortion after the 20th week of pregnancy. 20 weeks. As a blanket rule, abortions are legal in every single state before pregnancy has reached its 20th week. That's the standard of the United States. So well, that was Roe v. Wade. Right. Uh, well, Roe v. Wade really said the first trimester. Um, yes. That got a little right. bit expanded. The, the weird thing about, we always talk about, we need to repeal Roe v. Wade. If we would just go back to Roe v. Wade, it's actually a move in the conservative direction. Yeah. Um, people don't really realize that. Yeah. But 
Now, look around the world now. We always hear that, that the rest hey, of the world... Hey, Europe, they let them do with their bodies what they want. Now, you can find the, the wonderful abortion nirvana paradise that you want in China, where oh, yeah. abortion is legal at any point in pregnancy and also encouraged and quite frequently uh, enforced uh, uh, against your will. So there, I guess that's the ultimate, but no one uses China as their example. So let's look about uh, progressive Europe. In England, abortion is legal up to 24 weeks. Okay, but there is no time limit if there's a substantial risk to a woman's life or massive, massive problems with the pregnancy. Okay, so that's about midway, um, uh, about halfway as far as, you know, as as we have in the United States. It's about a midway standard. It's not too liberal, too conservative for the United States. About with in the C-sections, the the women woman's life being endangered is so rare now. Yeah, it really it's is. not to even be worthy of discussion. That's like, come on. But again, there's 24 weeks. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's a a midpoint, roughly, for the United States. The Netherlands mandates a five-day waiting period between the initial consultation and the abortion. Clinics must provide women with information about abortion alternatives, and only after that is abortion legal until the 24th week. And where? And that's in the Netherlands. Now, again, the Netherlands, as you'd think... The Netherlands is like a free-for-all. Right, exactly. No. They have drive-through abortions, you would think, in the Netherlands. Again, tw- like the day before birth, you drive through and get an abortion. Right. Again, the Netherlands, is, 24 weeks is in the, about wow. the middle of the United States, average for the United States. But they have all those other things you have to do on top of it to get the abortion. Yeah. Um, England and, and the Netherlands are more restricted than 10 states in America, though. I mean, you'd think it would be the opposite. Mm-hmm. Socialist Sweden allows abortions only until the 18th week of pregnancy. And bans almost all of them after the 22nd week. In the four-week period between those uh, two, a woman can only get an abortion if it's approved by the National Board of Health and Welfare. Can you imagine asking right now, you know what, the United States, if you want an abortion, you can get one, but you have to go to the national, you have to go to D.C. and ask them what their uh, opinion is on it. And if they grant it to you, you can have the abortion. Can you imagine that being a proposal? No. In Spain... Now, remember, every state in the United States is 20 weeks or, or, or more uh, lenient. Mm-hmm. In Spain, abortion is legal for the first 14 weeks of a woman's pregnancy. But 14? Al- allows uh, tw- up to 22 weeks only in cases of fetal deformities. In Denmark, I've abortion never been is... I've av- Spain, but I, I kind of like the music. I've heard that. In Denmark, abortion is available on demand up to 12 weeks. 12 weeks of pregnancy. Denmark? After work, afterward, there are exceptions made for rape, threats to the woman's physical or mental health, yeah. And risk of fetal defects in cases where the woman can demonstrate lack of financial resources. But again, 12 weeks. In Germany, abortions after 12 weeks are banned, except in cases of serious threat to the mother's physical or mental health. Women who want a first trimester abortion are subject to mandatory three-day waiting periods and a counseling session. Mandatory. That, I mean, that means Germany is more conservative than Utah when it comes to abortion. Think about that for a second. Abortion in Belgium is legal till 12 weeks of pregnancy, um, and it is required for women to have a six days of counseling. Six days of counseling. Um, in France, abortion is legal up to 12 weeks. 12. In Finland, abortion up to 12 weeks if, if a woman can provide a social reason for seeking to terminate the pregnancy, such as poverty, extreme distress, or already having at least four children, which sucks if you're the fifth kid. Because they'll be like, ah, oh, you already have four? Ah, you can abort the fifth one. <laughs> in Italy, a woman has only 90 days from conception to request an abortion. Under the law, the termination must be due to health, economic, social, or family reasons. Switzerland, abortion, legal up to 12 weeks. If 
a woman files a written request stating that he or she is in a situation of distress. Then the doctor has to give her comprehensive information about the procedure. Then the doctor has to discuss the decision with her in detail. Then the doctor has to give her an information sheet with the addresses of counseling services where she can get moral and material help to be informed about adoption. If we did this in this country, that'd be like you're torturing them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like you're torturing women. Even if you proposed these things, oh, yeah. it would be cause of torture. Let me, there's a few more. In Portugal, a woman can get, only get an abortion up to the 10th week and, again, has a mandatory three-day waiting period. Abortion is illegal in Poland except for cases of rape, fetal malformation, or serious threats to a woman's health. Andorra and Ireland go even further. They ban uh, abortion only except for cases where it's necessary to save the life of a pregnant woman. And in Ireland, that exception has only been around since 2013. It's brand new. And abortion is completely, entirely prohibited in Malta and Liechtenstein, which is just fun to say. The point being that Europe is supposed to be more enlightened than the United States. And maybe the truth is, on this particular point, they actually are. They are far more restrictive on the idea of abortion than we are here in the United States. And we are told they are the bastion of freedom for women, and and we're the ones oppressing. Yeah, you would never guess that. Never guess that. No way. We're the Glenn Beck Program with Pat Stu and Jeffy coming up. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Uh, just a couple minutes left here, so obviously... I'll talk Walking Dead. I'm going to talk football. Oh. Walking Dead, we can't, because I haven't seen it yet. I know, oh, well, but other people, many people have seen it. and uh, I know, know, many people have not. Many people have probably well, they should, recorded it, and, as I did. And they should listen to my podcast, uh, Talking Walking Dead, on blaze.com slash radio, uh, later this afternoon. All right, I'm looking forward to that with a great deal of anticipation. You sound like it. Oh, we man. could talk about it here if you want. No, I'm okay. I, I'll I'll wait for it for the podcast. Don't spoil the podcast <laughs> for me. Uh, over the weekend, actually before the weekend, weekend, one of the weirdest football players of all time. It's been it's been widely discussed nationwide. The BYU fourth and nineteen fake punt. <laughs> fourth and nineteen from the two yard line. Their own two. Their own two. <laughs> and it worked. Obvious. It would have been a genius call, the, though. The punter, Johnny Linehan, is nine yards deep in the end zone. He's got to run 28 yards for a first down. And the okay? first nine in your own end zone. What? And the first nine in your own end zone. He, and they fake it. And, they, and he tries for the first down. He makes it barely to the goal line before he's, he's tackled. I mean, huh. weirdest, dumbest Worst call of all time. I and and the coach Kaladi Sataki was asked about it afterward, and he's like, "Oh, we saw something on tape that we thought it'd work." <laughs> what, you saw that they all the, the other team no. went on vacation during punts. <laughs> what, what was what would you see on tape that would make that and work? It's the 14th ranked team in the country. They're six and zero for a reason. I don't think they're going to let that happen. Oh, and you're you know you're in your you try own. that in a different yes situation. Yes. You don't try that. Anyway, BYU lost 28-27.
most agonizing season of all time. Philadelphia won, though, right? Eagles victory, yes, important. Everyone, everyone cares about that. And the Cubs are in the World Series for the first time so. since 1945. It's amazing. We'll see you tomorrow. Glenn will be back then. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.